we're doing a sequel. We're back by popular demand. Come on, everybody, strike up the band. Negative possibilities are multiplying as we speak. I'm sure I made a payment. It's about that bounce check. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Where's the Damn Sequel, the podcast about great movies that may or may not have gotten sequels that we really wish had, but, you know, sometimes the formula breaks. And I just talk about films that do have sequels and we wish they'd make more. We're joined by a first-time guest on this episode, the lovely Rob Cleaver Redmond. Hello. I got your name right. Oh, yeah. Fan of double barrel names. Love Where's the Damn Sequel, Lucian Wadaly and Rob Lever Redmond. <laughs> yeah, double names are, uh, double barrel uh, second names are severely underrated. I was talking to my girlfriend a while ago and she was, uh, I was saying, you're probably going to, like, because she would not have one. So she was like, all right, probably just have to, like, either pick one of the two. Yes, exactly. But that kind of defeats the purpose. It's my own, you know, it's my own creation. Defeats the first Cleaver Redmond, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I'm the only Wadaly. The only wa in Ireland, to be honest. And who's Cleaver and who's Redmond? Uh, Mom's Cleaver, my dad's Redmond. But uh, so when they were getting married, when I was about ten, I had to pick a name. Okay. And uh, obviously, I'm as just as indecisive now as I was then. <laughs> right. So it's like, well, why can't I just have both? So yeah, I yeah, do. yeah. I my parents aren't married at all. Uh, they just they were just like, fuck, take these names, boy. And I was like, all right, fine, because I was not born yet. But the um, <laughs> no, it's weird. Like I I like it when the couple will also take each other's like they'll take a double barrel name as yeah. well um, and then the kid gets it because then everyone has the same name my thing is that I have a different surname to my parents like I have yeah, both same. of their names but legally like if you're different you actually have a different surname to either of your parents which is kind of weird Yeah, it's nice when a family is like Murphy 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 whereas we're like Everyone in my household has a different surname. Yeah, it's mental. My little sister actually was like very decisive. She, she took my dad's name. So I'm the only Cleaver Edmund in my family. That's as hilarious. Well. That's so funny. See, I'm <laughs> an only child. I didn't have that problem. Um, I'll tell you who doesn't have a double barrel name. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Although there's a hyphen. So maybe Scooby-Doo is the surname. Maybe his name is like Rob Scooby-Doo. Well, I mean, in... Um, they call him Mr. Do. They do. And also in the movie, they, they, do. they, they call Scooby-Doo. him Scoobert as well. So it could Scoobert. be Scoobert. Do like Scoobert do Scooby Doo's full <laughs> name? I mean, the thing is, he is a dog, so like dog names are kind of oh yeah, they're loose. They're like, loose. You, you okay? Scoobert's real name is not Scoobert Do. His full name is Scoo. Oh, his yeah, his full name is Scoobert Do. Um, it's revealed in a, a 1988 Scooby Doo spinoff prequel, and his name is indeed Scoobert Do, not Scoobert Doobert. <laughs> um, there was a woman in who worked at my school. She was a special needs assistant. She was. I don't know what age she was. She could have been anything between 40 and 100. She was demented. Very wild kind of woman. Um, she's very, she was like kind, but she was, she was, she was just, she had some interesting, interesting things she used to say. And um, one time she did make a reference to, and I quote, spooky do, which was something <laughs> that I like to say a lot over the years because it was just like a real fun thing to say, to deliberately mis- missay it as spooky do. Well, they must have took inspiration from that, you know, Spooky Island. Yeah, I mean, it is like Spooky is kind of the whole vibe of Scooby-Doo is that it's all spooky scary. So mm. it's, But no, um, so Scooby-Doo uh, is the 2002 live action uh, um, adaptation of the of the famous Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Mm-hmm. Is it Hanna-Barbera? And um, written by James Gunn, uh, director of Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, <laughs> accused pedophile sympathizer <laughs> and directed <laughs> by the great, the beloved Raja Gosnell 
um, director of such classics as Home Alone 3, Never Been Kissed, Big Mama's House, and most recently The Smurfs, Smurfs 2, and Show Dogs. Um, Incredible TV. Quite the resume. (laughs) Um, It also made Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I mean, you can argue that a lot of these films are unwatchable garbage, but the fact is... He's probably a multimillionaire. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you could say they're unwatchable garbage, but I have seen 90% of the I've seen all of them. Called. I've yeah, seen all of them. So I've I mean... seen more films by Raja Gosnell than I have by Stanley Kubrick. That's a sad, yeah, sad fact. I literally have. <laughs> Actually, Home, Home Alone 3 was the first Home Alone I ever saw. Home Alone 3, I saw... The... <laughs> Home Alone 3 and Scooby-Doo do have something in common. Raja Gosnell uh, has, has, has a special place in my childhood because they are the two DVD covers that scared the shit out of me in, <laughs> in school when I was like five, five or six. Um, what we, was the cover to Home Alone 3? The cover of Home Alone 3 is, I will show you, I'm very frightened of this poster. Um, <laughs> you can is, turn the laptop around once you search it. I'm going to turn like. the laptop around. This is one of the scariest film posters I've ever seen. Oh, that is actually quite frightening. So, the, so to describe it, the boy is standing in front of a door, and then all these, like, the villains of the film are poking their heads out from behind the door, and one of them has, like, electric shock hair, and his face is really white, and... One of them is like frozen, and they look really scary. They look really demented. And it's, yeah, it's like a spin on the Mrs. Doubtfire poster, but like, and Mrs. Doubtfire poster is pretty scary because it has Mrs. Doubtfire on it. <laughs> um, but this is very frightening. So, yeah. and then the Scooby Doo poster has like the the shadow of the um, the lunar ghosts mm. looming behind the cast, which also is a they terrifying all look very scary. Yeah. yeah, so these are two really scary. Um, video covers and Raja Gosnell should have intervened and uh, said no no the covers the films can be as scary as you like but the covers should not actually be that frightening for children but anyway actually just while we're on the topic of the yes. the, the video cover um, I do like how it, uh, the Scooby-Doo cover doesn't say any of the actors names it says starring Daphne Velma oh, Fred oh it Shaggy. does it says yes I was, Daphne, I was Shaggy, always Velma. a big fan of that that's an interesting one um, some of the Marvel movies still will do that Oh, maybe yeah. not maybe not now but I know five years ago they used to do it where the poster the character posters wouldn't have the actor's name it would have the character's name oh no so way. I remember for the Winter Soldier I remember like opposite my school in Galway there was a bus stop ad and it was just a picture of Robert Redford with his arms folded in a window and it said Alexander Pierce <laughs> and I remember being like who is going to go to see a superhero <laughs> movie because of a poster of Robert Redford with Alexander <laughs> Pierce written on it? And it's like a weird postmodern. To this day, movie. one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't understand. And they used to do that for a lot of them where they would be like, instead of Idris Elba, it would be like whatever his character's name is, the Frost Gate guy. And it just, I was like, what What does this mean? Like, these characters are not well known. Like, Yeah, no, fair enough if you're doing it. Like, like it works with Scooby-Doo because they're iconic Scooby-Doo characters. They're iconic characters. Like, or like, even the Smurfs, it works. Yeah, yeah. But I don't see why you do it with Alexander Pierce. <laughs> I'm almost certain was a character created for that film. Oh, yeah. Who isn't, who turns out that his real name is, like, some alien thing. Like, I don't know. Like, his name is not Alexander <laughs> Pierce. That's, a, that's like, a, a, an alias. But anyway. Um, that is, it is a good poster. Be afraid, be kind of afraid is is a is a good tagline. Yeah, um, I like any sort of tagline. I like um like Hellboy too. The tagline is believe it or not, he's the good guy. I'm always a big fan of that. Oh yeah, that's good. I like snarky taglines, but um, I kind of yeah. miss taglines. You don't see them a lot anymore. You don't see I know them. we're going to tangent here, but no, like... but you never see them anymore. I mean, okay, like there's a film that uh, there's a film called like, oh, uh, let me think. What has a tagline recently? There's like an Octavia Spencer movie called like Ma coming out soon. And it has a good tagline. I could be wrong. It might not have a good tagline. Oh, get home safe. <laughs> I'm fond of that. That is actually pretty good. I like that. That's the only one that came to mind from like 2018. 
I think there's a lot of like generic ones. So like Glass had you cannot contain what you are. Like, mm. That shit's boring. A lot of like thriller and horrors will always have They'll taglines, but yeah. they're not great. I, mean, I, I I'm a fan of just every film having a tagline. Yes, no, no matter everything what should have like even like Avengers Endgame should have it. Captain Marvel. Oh my, Captain Marvel does have a tagline. It's like higher, faster, stronger. See, that's not like I like. Yeah, I, I want a tagline where you can read it and you kind of know. Like yeah. Scooby Doo, you can read that tagline and know. Okay, yeah, exactly. it's like a play on Captain like, Marvel's one. Should be like, what if a superhero was a girl, or it's like <laughs> she bring in she bring in the Y chromosome to like I don't know, <laughs> something that's kind of like, hey, you get what we're doing here. It's a lady. It's a lady superhero. I don't know. <laughs> be like, it's a lady superhero. That'd be a great tagline. Back in the fifties, it would have been if Roger Corman made. Captain Marvel it would have been like hey it's a lady superhero and it would have been her just like with a thumbs up that would have been the way to market it and it would have been a huge hit exactly you don't have to change the film just market it like it's fun <laughs> not like it's all everything has to be so serious and badass just everyone like, has an into every film has an Instagram filter over oh, it now I know, for the I know. Oh, cool. <laughs> anyway Scooby Doo um yeah, count in 2002 and uh, has a wonderful ensemble cast. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have the great Matthew Lillard plays Shaggy. One now, of my favorite actors Matthew ever. Lillard um, had a tiny bit of a comeback two years ago when he was in Twin Peaks, The Return. I actually haven't. I've only seen the first season and a half of Twin Peaks. Well, I never finished I it. think that the 2017 reboot is better than the original series. Is it a reboot or is it season it's, three? It's season three, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. but the, it's like se- season three is like a completely different thing it's like an 18 oh. hour experimental film it's like most of it makes zero sense oh, no. there's like a hundred narratives going on and sometimes he'll address some of them and Lynch directed every episode oh lovely Matthew Lillard is in like six episodes and he's unbelievable oh, he gives so like happy. the best performance of the whole series apart from like Kyle MacLachlan he's and Laura Dern he's outstanding in it he like he plays this guy who's I can't even remember what the whole thing's very weird and trippy but like he's in prison for a while and he murders somebody but there's a, a couple of really big emotional scenes where he like breaks down crying and people are like Matthew Lillard is an incredible actor oh he's amazing and when it was on at the time I remember he got interviewed on this podcast I listened to and um, they talked to him for like an hour and he just told this really kind of in-depth moving story about his career as this like higher character actor and how he like was unemployed for like seven years he couldn't get any work and he had to sell his house and like his family were like living on very little money because he just couldn't get work as an actor Yeah, and uh, he's just like he was talking about acting the way that people would talk about being like a postman or like a shop clerk and it was really kind of uh, a unique version of like how a Hollywood person can can live in this very much like this kind of um, blue collar way and um, I became very attached to him after that and I was like I really hope he gets more work and he seems to be he shows up in TV but he hasn't gotten quite the comeback I was hoping but. yeah no if you look at um, if you look at a lot of his like film credits on like um, I don't know like IMDB or Cinemos or whatever mm-hmm. like a lot of them are horribly rated yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like I mean he for me he's in like some of the best films ever made like I mean <laughs> SLC Punk uh, Scream like and his characters in both of them are iconic you know what I mean and even yeah, as yeah. Shaggy and I love how um he after he played this he yeah, like yeah. took on the role of Shaggy yeah, and yeah, yeah. everything but now he's been gotten rid of yeah and he didn't even find out he found, he, out, he through found out through Twitter yeah. and he was heartbroken and that's just tragic he just seems like such a lovely person and he's got such a great face oh he's a man and he's his expressions I don't know like I'm one of my he's favorite. the only person who could play Shaggy I think oh like, 100%. of his generation like like and it just make um I don't know actually there's an interview that came out around the time um the first Scooby Doo movie and he was explaining how he does 
does the voice and he's mm-hmm. like before every like day of filming he'd scream for a <laughs> solid hour to break his voice so he'd be ready for the day oh I know it's amazing <laughs> um so then we have uh, Linda Cardellini is Velma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda Cardellini, we were discussing last night because I saw her in, uh, will we go on a Good Burger tangent right oh, now? Oh, yes, please. please. Linda Cardellini, the great Linda Cardellini, <laughs> star of Best Picture winner Green Book. She is literally the third lead of Best Picture winner Green Book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she literally, all she does in that film is, she's, she gives the best performance, but all she does is like go, oi, Tony, don't be racist. And then she like gets letters in the post from her husband and she cries over them. That's her character. It's uh. not a strong female um, part. But anyway, she's working. She gets more work than Matthew Lillard. Mm. Um, so Linda Cardellini uh, is, shows up in this uh, fa- fabulous film, Good Burger, a Nickelodeon <laughs> original movie. I was not familiar with it, but I named it to a few people and they were like, oh yeah, I love Good Burger. Yeah, one of my favorite films of all time. Good Burger came out two months before I was born. Um, it's like a Dan Schneider production. Uh, Dan Schneider being the the ma- massive creep but genius behind all your favorite Nickelodeon live action shows, uh, iCarly, Drake and Josh, Victorious, etc. And um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's your it's your thing to, to give us the thirty seconds of your, your why you love Greenburger. Good Green burger. Burger. Green <laughs> burger. Green burger. The Green Burger. <laughs> the Green Burger Cinematic Universe with Linda Cardellini. <laughs> Um, Good Burger is just a surreal, uh, I guess, family film. Um, <laughs> but there are parts of it that make you kind of go, mm. is this family film? Um, it's based off an old sketch from a Nickelodeon show. I can't remember the name, but I never actually watched it. I only knew Keenan and Kel, who both star in this. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Keenan wasn't, I, was it Keenan? I don't think Keenan was in the sketch show. I think it was actually, it was just Kel. Um, but then obviously because uh, of Keenan and Kel. All, all that. All that, that's it. Um, which actually made a comeback on SNL recently, I think, oh, um, right. that yeah, a lot yeah. of people were, were happy about. Basically, it's just about this um, really kind of low-earning burger place uh, that is having massive competition across the road from Mondo Burger, <laughs> who are basically putting um, drugs in their burgers <laughs> to make them oversized instead of just like getting more meat or something. Um, and then obviously Keenan uh, finds himself in some hot water, uh, but when he crashes his mom's car, so he has to work to pay off the the loan. So he gets and a job also like he's being threatened by uh, Sinbad. Yeah, <laughs> Sinbad is the teacher. He is, yeah, and he does an incredible Wheat. job. <laughs> um, he's amazing. His outfits, are, like the costume oh, design, costumes are incredible. amazing. Um, no, I loved the and Shaq is in it as well. Yeah, I loved the. Um, there was a very like Krusty Krab, uh, Chum Bucket kind of vibe. Yeah, with the definitely. Two restaurants competing, and, and I mean it's before um, SpongeBob as well. So maybe yeah, a bit yeah. of a bit of inspiration. There. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but incredible film, very underrated. It has a very kind of a culty sort of yeah, following. Yeah, and it made twenty three point seven million against a budget of eight point five. So it oh. did well. Unreal. Um, Good Burger. Why didn't they make a sequel? Wow. It, it, okay, it opened at fifth place, but still, it was <laughs> maybe a future episode. Who knows? Came, yeah, it came out in the United Kingdom later as well. That's impressive. Um, but yeah, Linda Carlini shows up for like what four minutes, maybe in Good Burger. Yeah, but her role's unforgettable. Unforgettable. She plays like uh, basically Keenan's fellow inmate at a lunatic asylum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and they're like, "Time for drugs." And it's it's so mental. It's not appropriate for young children. I <laughs> no, know it's, it's genuine. It's not a family film. No, it's not. It's like a weird, like, it's like Harold and Kumar for like 13 year olds. 13 year olds <laughs> as opposed to 18 year olds. Yeah, definitely. Um, we will be doing an episode on Harold and Kumar in the future. Um, <laughs> I adore those films. But I've only saw one. I can't remember. Guantanamo uh, Bay, I think. Uh, uh, the first one's better. The first one's better. Uh, Escape from our Go to White Castle. 
is the best. Guantanamo Bay is pretty good. I haven't seen the Christmas one uh, with mm. Neil Patrick Harris. I get the impression it's not as good as the first two. But um, So Scooby-Doo, uh, the rest of the cast, then we got um, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne and Freddie Prinze Jr. as Fred. I'm not like a big Sarah Michelle Gellar or Freddie Prinze Jr. guy. Mm. I've, I have not never watched Buffy. I've never seen much of his like big 90s films but yeah, they were they... both huge stars oh they were mass the late massive, 90s like yeah. it is I don't know if they were kind of at the end of their peak when Scooby-Doo got made but it seems like this is the equivalent of having like the four huge like these are huge people to get in a movie together oh yeah that is effectively like a silly cartoon movie for kids like mm. it's weird how that wasn't a stigmatized thing at the time well you know the the um, story behind this film getting made right like nope. that was tell okay me, tell me tell me okay well this film was originally supposed to be an R-rated parody of Scooby-Doo oh, no. well not a parody in a sense of like they're making fun of it it's more of a, a like a loving because Scooby-Doo itself yeah, yeah, yeah. is a parody yes, of yes, yes. like horror and thriller and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. investigation shows and mm-hmm. stuff um, so they wanted to take that step further with the movie, which sounded great. And obviously having someone like Matthew Lillard on, who was in Scream, mm-hmm. which is like the ultimate horror parody, um, like it, it made perfect sense. So originally uh, the jokes were a bit racier, a bit edgier. Um, even like if you look at some of the deleted scenes, like there's uh, there's one scene where, you know, when they, they get possessed, um, is it Daphne? I can't remember if it's Daphne walking on Velma or Velma walking on Daphne. It's it's one. Of, I think it's Daphne walking on Velma. Mm-hmm. Um, and there she's in like a, a locker room. She's really mm-hmm. scantily dressed, and mm-hmm. like she's like like women like barely anything standing behind her, and they're looking very like sexy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, as they got into making it, um, the director, because your man James Gunn who wrote it. Um, wanted it to be this way but then uh, when they got into making it and stuff it was kind of they were um, the executives and stuff were saying no we should tone it down this mm. would make more sense as a kids film they were like what's the audience here because adults won't go see Scooby Doo yeah, yeah, yeah. even though it's rare for them but children won't be able to so in the original when it came out originally and they did like test screenings it got an R it got an R rating oh my god even though they'd cut <laughs> loads out of it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it got an R rating so they had to cut even more out and they that. actually used CGI to uh, get rid of cleavage in oh most scenes oh my god what? Um which I when I watched it again recently, I was I was trying to look out, and actually, you know what, the CG isn't amazing in the film, but mm. the, uh, the I think CGI it's and the, it's pretty good for the time. I yeah. think Scrappy Doo was really well animated. Like Scrappy Doo was. I think the 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 weird monsters were yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. ugly, but then again, maybe that's the the point. Mm. But um, yeah, the the cleavage CGI was like I I could, I was looking for it, and I couldn't find it. You yeah, know what I mean? So they did a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. I think that's why who was chosen was chosen because obviously Buffy is as well as a bit of a. So they went for like take. a CW audience, like of this of these mm. like like hot teen actors who they get like thirteen to sixteen year olds in exactly who has also worked on kind of parody stuff mm-hmm. before or yeah, like yeah, at least yeah. that kind of like weird kind of teen, kitschy, young adult. kitschy teen stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah but then it turned out to be more of just a kids film with mm-hmm. the really weird premise and jokes thrown in that don't fit the tone at all like mm-hmm. I rewatched it recently and the tone is all over the place yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, even though I, I think it's great. I mean, the premise is they're going to an island for like a college student party island that's yeah. like spooky themed, which does set up the notion that it's going to be a bit more risque than it actually turns out to be. Like mm. you're like, oh, college, college party island. Like that yeah. film could easily be orated. Like because they reference college film or college students in it all the time, but they're never in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that stuff all got cut out. Exactly. Like the only time you see the college students is when they're completely. They don't have any dialogue. They're just completely like obviously shells themselves because they're possessed or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, watching it again, knowing that was supposed to be R rated, like you can tell so much cut out. And there's actually a lot of things that don't even make sense because there's obviously scenes missing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like there's you know when they're um they first get the what's it called the the Damas the the 
pyramid yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when they're in the bar um, your man one of the main baddies gets on the piano and starts playing a song but mm-hmm. it's just like background music yeah, but yeah, then yeah. it cuts to the whole place cheering and mm. you don't know what they're cheering at yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's actually a deleted scene where Velma gets really drunk and gets up on the piano and does uh a version of uh, I Love You Baby <laughs> okay. and it's really like yeah, she yeah. starts doing mental dancing and stuff and everyone <laughs> cheers that but that's cut out so like yeah. oh, no. everyone just starts clapping for no reason yeah 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 um, I wonder I feel like this film was greenlit off the back of Men in Black being a big hit you think? It, oh yeah it seems like that's the, the that's the tone that they ended up with mm. is like monster based comedy kind of soft sci-fi horror kind yeah. of thing for families like that's because because that, that came out what 96 97 yeah and that was a huge hit and i feel like there's a string of films and i very much when i watched this it reminded me in a lot of ways of a film that i much prefer but that we did already on this podcast which is looney tunes back in action great film. which is a masterpiece oh yeah and the whole section in the middle of that where they go to the, the lab and there's all these monsters escape is a direct men in black homage mm. and i felt like this a lot of the stuff with the monsters, and then it actually comes up more in Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Yeah. Um, a lot of this, like, CGI monster stuff, and there's, like, a score by David Newman and all of that. That very much is, like, reminds me of the first Men in Black. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just the kind of, like, people shooting lasers at monsters while also making quips. Like, that was the tone <laughs> that they were kind of into. And it's, like, it's weird that they didn't try and get a Will Smith type in the mm. cast, but you can't really because you have to stick to the original Scooby-Doo characters. Yeah, that's true. But, um... David Newman, the composer, shout out to David Newman. I adore David Newman. He's the brother of Thomas Newman. But while Thomas Newman does all these kind of like, Thomas Newman does, you know, Thomas Newman's my favorite film composer, but he does like, uh, you know, your your American Beauties and your Shawshank Redemptions, and mm. he does these very grand kind of dramatic scores. David Newman almost exclusively does comedies, and he scores a lot of family comedies, um, which have amazing soundtracks, like The Cat in the Hat and Scooby-Doo and uh, a lot of other things from the time. And his, his scores are kind of an interesting twist on Thomas Newman's scores, but they have a lot more, a much more kind of fun and kind of kinetic sound than Thomas Newman's, which are generally very dour piano based. Mm. And if you listen to the two of them back to back, it's actually like a hilarious kind of hearing these brothers kind of bounce off each other and these working in different genres of film is actually really an interesting thing too. If you're interested in film music, but anyway, mm. enough about that. Um, so they go to Spooky Island and they have to solve the mystery of why these college students are going around acting all kind of zoned out and uh, basically having all the life sucked out of them while they're on the island. Mm. And uh, they figure out ultimately that it's uh, Scrappy Doo is controlling the whole thing. And Scrappy Doo's being in the film is set up in a really kind of crappy flashback early on. Oh, it's on. awful. And it's like very obvious that they had to squeeze that in because there was no other way to introduce that Scrappy-Doo exists. Again, it goes back to being R-rated. Originally, yeah. Scrappy was going to be, like you can tell by the flashback, he's yeah. he's really like perverted <laughs> and just a really weird, creepy character. Yeah. And apparently there was loads more flashbacks with him and he set up more, mm-hmm. uh, is given more, uh, fleshed out more of a character. But obviously they can only keep in that one scene where yeah, they get yeah. rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the cutting in that is really weird. Like mm-hmm. you can tell there was bits of dialogue even yeah, in that yeah. scene cut out. Um, but yeah, they obviously just had to throw in that quick minute long flashback, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is so out of place. Like, you know that he's going to make <laughs> it appear later. In last so. minute, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there's another fl- there's another flashback in Monsters Unleashed, which there's a cl- flashback to when they were in college together, I think. Oh, and they're when they find their old shack and yeah, they're all yeah, playing yeah, frisbee. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And it cuts back to that. Um, I've seen that a few times. I've only seen this like the once and mm. one and a half, so I'm much more familiar with them. Um, with Monsters Unleashed, but uh, yeah, so 
Um, Scrappy-Doo shows up. I think he's pretty well animated. He's like an yeah. entertaining kind of twist. Um, I wasn't expecting him when I watched it on Saturday night. I wasn't expecting him to show up. And I was like, ah, oh, mm. this is like a weird kind of thing. Like, I, I haven't seen many episodes of Scooby-Doo the cartoon, but I'm not that familiar with Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy wasn't nearly as, like, Scrappy was just kind of a cool sidekick of the cartoon. Like, he wasn't as, as like, yeah. obviously he was aggressive, but, like, he wasn't, like... This is a really weird character. Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. It's weird. Um, but no, I, yeah, I didn't mind him coming up either. Um, I, I wish I, we could see more of him mm. because he's just very shoehorned in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I do think he's well animated. So well voiced as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all the actually like all the actors actually do a really good they job. They do. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar became real life husband and wife shortly after mm. the film was released. Are they still together? I don't know. Actually, I'm gonna look. Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. And they have two kids. Oh, no, Isn't that delightful? That's very nice. Lovely. Scooby-Doo, creating love everywhere. <laughs> Jim Carrey was originally attached to play Shaggy, while Mike Myers also expressed interest. Yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey's too expensive for this film. Like, 2001, you couldn't have gotten Jim Carrey to oh, be yeah, part no, of an ensemble. Of, yeah, like, yeah. Jim Carrey in this film, it wouldn't be Scooby-Doo. It would just be, or it would just be a Scooby and Shaggy Oh yeah, two-hander. Which there's no way, which bad. would be fine, but there's no way Jim Carrey would ever be part of a quartet of leads. Like Jim Carrey has to be the center of attention in a Jim Carrey movie. Oh, yeah, so it would just be him and the animated Scooby going around sorting stuff out. Mm. Um, I would like to see it. I can't really see Jim Carrey. The only time I've se- ever really seen Jim Carrey disappear into a role is Count Olaf. Apart from that, I, I seen it. oh that film rules in a series of unfortunate events. Oh, it rules. Oh, yeah, no, um, yeah. Um, they remade that for Netflix recently. They did, yeah, yeah. but the Jim, Jim Carrey is genuinely amazing in that. Like, But it's the only time he's ever, like, not done Jim Carrey mm. as Jim Carrey, and I can't really see him, like, disappearing into Shaggy the way Matthew Lillard does, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he would good. Eh, he's just not... He's the wrong shape. Mm. No, I, I think both of them are great, uh, especially around that time. Yeah. But I don't think either of them could have done... This, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it uh, debuted with 19.2 million on its opening day. No That's way. more than Good Burger made in a weekend. And 54.1 <laughs> million over the weekend. Wow, it was a huge hit. Um, it closed with a final gross of uh, 275 million worldwide, making it the 15th biggest film of 2002. Eh. Um, it didn't come out until July. To- Wait, when did it come out in the States? In. June. Oh yeah, I came out in July in the UK, and uh, now I'm gonna quiz you on what was in the box office in summer of 2002. Oh god, Scooby Doo 2002 opening weekend. I will give you clues. Uh, let's have a look. So Scooby Doo opened in first place, a new entry with 54 million. In second place, another new movie with 27 million. This is a thriller. It uh, is the first in a series, and they have made four more of these, which is bizarre because it only opened second place to Scooby Doo. <laughs> but I guess it did really well because they've made four more of these. Um, um and it's um stars a, a beloved Bostonian. Um, and uh, it's a lot of like surveillancey stuff, and they've made four of them, and the character's name is in the title. Okay, no, I've I've no the idea. The Born Identity. Haven't seen a single one. They're boring. They're really boring. <laughs> but it opened second to Scooby Doo. Ah. Uh, number three. I actually have no idea what this is. It's called Wind Talkers. Um, oh, Nicholas Cage is in it. It's like a oh, it's a war movie with Nicholas Cage and Adam Beach. Oh, it's a John Woo. Okay. Um, then in fourth place uh, is The Sum of All Fears. 
uh, with Ben Affleck. And then in fifth place, uh, yeah, this is no fun. I don't know what half of these are. Mm. Uh, fifth place is Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Ah. And in seventh place is the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Oh, um, yeah, classic. That's a pretty good summer. Mm. I'd be happy enough with Scooby-Doo, Attack of the Clones, and Spider-Man. Like, and this is for all of 2002? This is just for that, that weekend. Oh, that weekend, okay. And Insomnia, the Christopher Nolan movie, is in 11th place. And Ice Age was in 19th, Monsters, Inc., 23. Was and... Ice Age in 2002? Uh-huh. And... I was trying to think of a Pixar movie, actually, that came out, so it was Monsters, Inc. that year. And then 25th place... Still, this is July, and in 25th place, still open from that December before, was The Fellowship of the Ring. No way. That was still in the top 25. Amazing. That's amazing. It was in 26 theaters that weekend? No, more. It was on 221 screens that weekend in July, and it opened in December. That's mental. That's amazing. So... Scooby-Doo has 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is incredibly unfair. Mm. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it one star, um, <laughs> said it exists in a closed universe and the rest of us are aliens. The internet was invented so you can find someone else's review of Scooby-Doo. Start surfing. What? Cranky bastard. Jesus. Um, uh, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, get out your pooper scoopers. Do happen June 14th. Warn the ads for Scooby-Doo and they say there's no truth in Hollywood. Um, mm. Rude. Yeah. Rude. Uh, um, uh, uh, Prince Freddie Prince was nominated for a Golden Raspberry for Worst Supporting Actor, but he lost to Hayden Christensen in Attack of the Clones. Hmm. Um, and I it was also have had either nominated. Yeah, it was also nominated for Most Flatulent Teen Targeted Movie, but lost to Jackass. Um, Impolite. Yeah, actually, to be honest, like there is a full minute and a half long scene of, and it lost to Jackass. Oh, the, the farting contest is really bad. That's a bad scene. Oh, it's horrible. It's stupid. <laughs> um, but the what happens around that scene with that whole like um mind control thing of the the teens of how you should yes, react yes, to the situation yes, yes, yes. that is beautiful. That is really great. Really, really great. Um, it's too clever for that film. Like you, it's like oh, yeah. James Gunn is like make writing an adult comedy while he's there, and he's like, oh, Scooby Doo. <laughs> I would have killed to have seen the original cut. Oh, I'd love to. I'm sure he has it on a hard drive somewhere. See, a lot of the scenes weren't even filmed because they were remaking it. They were kind of rewriting it as they were filming yeah, it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the scenes weren't even filmed for it, which is upsetting. That's mad. And then three years later, two years later, we got Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Mm. Um, what do you think of Monsters Unleashed? It's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember when I was younger, like really young, uh-huh. I loved it, but I'd only seen it like at a friend's house because uh-huh. I had the original Scooby-Doo on video, so I watched uh-huh. it like every week. Uh-huh. Um, and I saw Monsters Unleashed and I thought it was really cool, but I re- I remember re-watching it a few years ago and not really enjoying it and just thinking like, the first one was like this really weird, surreal, mm. um, uh, like basically... It was it was basically like scream for kids mm-hmm. almost, yeah. whereas the second one just kind of went full blown, mm. kind of kid for me, and it yeah, just kind yeah. of ruined it. But I mean, I well not ruined it. I I need to rewatch it because my taste has probably changed it's since not I've as, seen it. It's it's less kind of yeah. It's, I think less, it's less unique. It's got less broad appeal. Like it's I think mm. it's more young targeted. But I I don't I really liked it. Like I watched it there like maybe two years ago with my dad, and we both really enjoyed it. And again, I probably need to rewatch it. But yeah, a few years. I don't know. I was surprised how much we enjoyed it. Um, it. Uh, the villain in that is Seth Green, I think. I can't even remember the villain. Seth Green's in it, Tim Blake Nelson's in it, and Alicia Silverstone is in it. Um, it's a pretty good cast. Mm. Um, I don't like Seth Green, though. I mean, I, I appreciate when he plays villains because I find him incredibly creepy, but he shows up in a lot of things like this. And he's in, I feel like him and Linda Cardellini are like married or something. He seems to always be in stuff that she's in. Mm. But um, 
Yes, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed made way less. Uh, it made 181 worldwide, and the first one made 275. So It's probably more faithful as a Scooby-Doo movie, because yeah, the first yeah, one yeah. is very, like, it's this brand new story that you never would have pictured the gang going through, yeah, like yeah, them all yeah, breaking yeah. up, which I love how hilariously fast into the movie they break up. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, literally yeah, within yeah. the first 10 minutes, yeah, yeah, Scooby-Doo's yeah, yeah. not a thing. <laughs> um, but, I don't know, I think it's a really cool idea. Also, like, I remember the second one not really being very visually appealing. Mm. Like, I think all the sets are, like, really dull. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah. first movie, the it's set colorful, design like... is incredible. Yeah, like, the islands really and all the different places they go. Like, even the castle, the way all the rides is built out and stuff. And No, I agree. Um, I think, yeah, the second one also came in the, like, six months after Looney Tunes Back in Action. And I feel like they were, like, trying to make those films compute a bit. But Looney Tunes yeah. Back in Action has, like, this incredible energy of, like, Brendan Fraser or Steve Martin. Mm. And just the Looney Tunes are just more vibrant characters. Yeah. Than the mystery team, and it's like they were probably because the Tasmanian Devil shows up in Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed, and Looney Tunes also I feel like has yeah Looney Tunes back in action has a Scooby Shaggy cameo, where they are in the cafeteria in Warner Brothers and they're arguing over like salary division or something. Oh yes, like they yeah. like like Bugs Bunny walks past and Shaggy and Scooby are arguing. So these films were kind of intertextually set up to promote each other. Yeah, yeah, and like. Scooby-Doo 2 is just the inferior of the two. Mm. Um, I think Looney's Back in Action is, is like a much more co- cohesive film. So, But it's still, I, I like Scooby-Doo 2. Um, so it says here that um, Warner Brothers gave the green light for production of a third film during the filming of number two, and they hired Dan Foreman and Paul Foley to write the script for number three. Now, why not James Gunn? Um, did get James Gunn write the second he one? He did, yeah. In August 2004, Matthew Lillard said that the third Scooby-Doo film was cancelled. He says, there will be no Scooby-3. <laughs> that's, like, that's like, tear down this wall. There will be no Scooby-3. The second one didn't do as well as it was expected. Um, and I think that's Warner Brothers' fault. They shouldn't have released it in March 2004. Um, we had a bad time slot. We had 13 movies open in two weeks after we opened. I mean, it did well, but it didn't do great, and it needed to do great. Mm. Um, the film was followed by two tel- TV prequels, Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins, which is a live-action prequel. Oh. I'd never heard of this. No. is it Was it soon after? Uh, this is from 2009. It was mm. on Cartoon Network, but it's live-action. Not the same cast, though, is it? Uh, Robbie Amell plays Fred. Uh, Robbie Amell from, like, he's in all these CW shows. He's, like, one of these just, like, handsome guys. Mm-hmm. Haley Kiyoko plays Velma. No way. What the fuck? <laughs> How was I not aware of this film? Uh, Kate Melton plays this is bizarre well you learned something new um, <laughs> Scooby-Doo the mystery begins and it's 82 minutes and uh, it was released on DVD and they made a sequel called Scooby-Doo Curse of the Lake Monster um, in 2010 which the poster is very weird colors like it's oh it's not going for fun at all no. and that also stars Robbie Amell Haley Kyoko. That's really strange. It's mental. I don't think anyone was aware of this. <laughs> All right. Well, those two films exist, so they made those. Um, and a spin-off film, Daphne and Velma, was released in 2018. What? Starring... Uh, is not in this one. Ah. Uh, starring Sarah Jeffrey as Daphne and Sarah Gilman as Velma. This is live action. It's called Daphne and Velma. And... Um, is it a TV movie? It was on... Uh, the. Where was it released? It's DVD. Oh. It just went straight to DVD and streaming. This is really strange. It looks so bad. Is there even a... Like... It looks terrible. 
Jesus. I mean, I might watch it, but it looks awful. And is Jesus. there even a market for a Daphne and Velma movie in 2018? I think there probably is, but if you did it properly and released it in the cinemas. But like what? Like, did they ever go mm. out on their own in, in any other form? No, I don't think so. This was just. I think this was this. just them trying to do like a female Ghostbusters on the Scooby Doo universe, where it's like, let's cut the men out and see how it works. Mm. But yeah, I mean, like, this they're is both strong characters. It could have worked, especially yeah. with the one being like Brainiac and the other being like kind of bit of a ditz. Uh, the tagline for this is before Scooby Doo, these BFFs these BFFs had a clue. So the premise is that they're they're high schoolers, and this is before they ever met Shaggy, Scooby, and Fred. Oh, but I mean, the animated dog is kind of the whole the thing point. with Scooby Doo. I mean, these are strong characters, though. I don't know. They are very yeah, they are very. If strong, they were going to do I a mean... proper big screen Scooby Doo reboot now. Do you have any suggestions for cast for the the four leads? I think. What would be great? Because I was thinking about this this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, because naturally, it just came from me wanting Matthew Lillard to play Shaggy yes. and everything. I was thinking, imagine if they made like a f- like yeah, Scooby Doo, yeah. like same cast yeah, from yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the day, and it's continued. It's, but do it's it now. Like, do it's... it like Logan, where yeah. it's Shaggy out in the <laughs> desert with his dog, and he they're wandering dies. around killing people, and he finally <laughs> dies the death of Shaggy. <laughs> I was thinking because the first one deals with them kind of at the peak of their fame, and they mm. break up under like mm-hmm. the like strenuous like circumstances. So I, I can't remember what happens at the end of number two. They're still a team. I think so, yeah. yeah. So like I was thinking, imagine if you had it years later, and they're not in their prime anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a new up and coming yeah, group yeah. is like getting all the, and like there are and like it's it's set in real time. Like it is yes, actually yes, yes, twenty eighteen yes. or twenty nineteen yeah, 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 yeah. or whatever. I was thinking that could be really cool. And like be. to be honest, like I think I can't really imagine like like because obviously all the actors are still going like yeah you know, but none and, of them are particularly successful right now like but we, that kind of makes sense almost yeah it, like sure they probably surely they'd love something like this yeah exactly um, i feel like the most i feel like of the four of them linda cartellini's probably the most well-employed i mean mm. sarah michelle geller is always up to something i don't know what she's at right now i know she was in a sitcom with robin williams that got cancelled because he died Oh my gosh. Um, it was like not a good series, but it was called The Crazy Ones, and they were father and daughter running like a marketing company. Oh. And it literally was on the air until like three months before he died. And that was like a big, that was her kind of comeback mm. um, as like a big star of a big TV show. And that show did really well for the first few, first few weeks it was on. So mm-hmm. I don't know what she's been up to. That was like five years ago. I don't know what she was up to since then. But yeah, um, yeah I feel like they could all be persuaded. And I think there's. I don't know if film studios pay attention to this sort of thing, but there's like a really strong like anything that has pro- anything that has a strong nostalgia factor for people of our age and has produced a lot of meme content should be seen by film studios as ripe for rebooting and exactly. bringing back. Exactly, like that whole Shaggy is a god meme yeah, yeah, recently, yeah. That's hilarious. But like, I mean, that's like it's just, fresh on everyone's yeah, mind. Yeah, I feel like that's the case with so many of these franchises and things that we talk about on this podcast where like these things that were really big between 2000 and 2007 mm. and they're like that's the stuff you should be digging into to bring back like stop doing Ghostbusters exactly like, no one wants to see Ghostbusters do Scooby-Doo I think nostalgia for especially for our generation is so like like even if I'm just speaking for me like mm-hmm. I live uh, like my area of expertise mm-hmm. for movies is kind of bad yeah. kids films mm-hmm. between like the like early, mid 90s to yeah. like uh, late 2000s yeah 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 um 
like I do everything off nostalgia. I know all my friends do as well. Mm-hmm. Like whenever we meet up, we'll watch like an old like like I've re- recently rewatched all the Spy Kids movies in like mm-hmm. a day. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I think nostalgia for our generation, especially even the resurgence of High School Musical and stuff like yeah. that, came back as a TV show or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, it? it's coming back. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. They, I think nostalgia Hollywood focuses be... too much. They're like they're like, well, if we get nostalgia for the Ghostbusters generation, then they'll take their kids to see Ghostbusters and we'll sell four tickets. Yeah. Whereas if we do nostalgia for people who are 22, 23, they're only going to go with their friends and you're not getting the family audience. Mm. But there, you could also, if you do Scooby-Doo, you're also going to get people who were born in like 92, 93. And mm. those people, a lot of them do probably have kids. Have family. So yeah, you yeah. are going to get people. And I think those films will then do really well on streaming over the next five years. And if you're ever, mm. every studio now is launching their streaming services and like Disney are now. Yeah. Like, you need to be getting that market where you're producing new stuff. And I like I want National Treasure three more than anything else in the world. Like that's the like the two thousand and three. Like they're still making Pirates of the Caribbean for the for those people. Exactly. So why yeah. not make other stuff that was big in like two like Pirates of the Caribbean, um, the first one came out a year before Monsters Unleashed. And they're making another one of fucking those, as far as I know. There's a Men in Black reboot coming out in three months. Men in Black is predates Scooby-Doo, so there's no reason not to do this. Yeah, I think, uh, like, so much stuff's being rebooted, especially from, like, the 80s, this Mm -hmm. whole 80s revival thing. And, like, I understand, obviously, like, they want the grown-ups to bring their kids, that's the point. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that's as bankable. Like, I know, like, my parents are, now, obviously, Irish parents probably aren't the demographic for whatever, but... um, but like you know if something came out that my parents loved when they were kids it's not really like oh let's go to cinema and watch it it's like yeah. oh I remember that I don't think nostalgia plays a big factor like I the think big it's thing big thing for my for family us. last year was Mary Poppins Returns we went crazy over that like mm. that was a big that was the first time that my whole family have gone to the cinema together in a long time because that is like a seminal text of my childhood and my parents were like also like my parents went to see the first Mary Poppins in 1965 um, oh, yeah. well my dad would have and I uh, was shown that at the age of three and watched it a hundred times as a child. And we were like, all right, Mary Poppins Returns is our thing. And we all went to see it. And we were like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, it's fine. But, like, that's the kind of nostalgia space that my family operates inside. Like, I mean, yeah. my, I guess, like, Blade Runner 2049 was a thing as well for yeah. my dad. But he's kind of just too old to give a shit about Star Wars and, like, way too old to give a shit about Ghostbusters. Yeah. So it's, like... 60s and 70s stuff is where our nostalgia hotspot is. Mm. But you can see with, like, the 90s stuff, that's... I think Scooby-Doo would be more successful. I think making this another Scooby-Doo would be a bigger hit than a new Ghostbusters. Oh, 100%. I think, actually, like, I don't know, like, I was about to ask you your idea if you had a Mm. a sequel idea, but I think, like, having them all come back Mm -hmm. years later and, I don't know, like, come up with some new adventure or a rival team or something. Yeah. I can see that doing really well. Yeah. Like, Scooby-Doo is, is hot and meme cultured right now, but as well as, like, this cartoon is still going yeah, in like, whatever iteration. kids would totally be interested in that. Like, like I marketed it really well. Mm, like, I, I have friends of little brothers and sisters mm-hmm. still watch Scooby-Doo. You know, mm-hmm. it's still popular. Yeah. So, like, there's no reason why it couldn't just, last right just now. Just get fucking John Malkovich as the villain and everyone will be happy. Like, uh, yeah. that's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> But um, do you have any ideas for a sequel? Ah, uh, not really. Nothing that I've thought about. But um, like, there's very there's a few like basic templates of how to make an entertaining family comedy, and mm. like, you just need like good like a good actor playing a cartoonish villain, and you need like interesting monsters. I feel like the monsters in the first Scooby Doo. I I can't remember any of them. I watched it five days ago. No, the first Scooby Doo. Um, when it comes to like, I think the first Scooby Doo is I like it as a movie. Yeah, and I like it as a concept. I love the sets. I love the characters. Yeah, yeah. But as a Scooby Doo mm-hmm. live action, it's yeah. not very good. The, yeah, mo- yeah. the monster, the monsters aren't just not there. They're mm-hmm. just these weird CGI beings that are never explained yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Scrappy turns out to be the main villain, which yeah. is just not like <laughs> it, it's a funny twist in the context of the film. But like, within Scooby Doo, like the lore of Scooby Doo, yeah, it doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. The monsters unleashed is definitely a better 
um, rendition of yes, Scooby Doo. Yes, yes. But I do say I still do think the movie. I think that's why it would have worked best as its original R-rated thing because it wasn't trying to be. This is Scooby Doo if it was real life. It's like this is kind of a parody, it's a really of heightened version of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like this is Scooby Doo if it was in real life, not as in like we're translating it all, but this is like the logistics of it being real. I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I mean, if they were to make a new one, if it was to go, I don't know if that kind of R-rated original pitch actually would work now, mm. I, because naturally the '90s were like prime for that. Whereas now, I feel whenever this kind of some like parody kind of thing, it doesn't really go very yeah, well. Yeah, and all the like that whole like freaking scary movie disaster movie thing yeah. died out. Thank yeah. God. I mean, my joke last year was I thought they were going to bring it back and make one called Diverse Movie, where they were going to like do a, his take of Black Panther and Wonder Woman and be like, Oh, oh God, isn't it terrible how movies can't be about white men anymore? Because that seems like exactly the kind of thing they oh, want yeah. to make. And thankfully, that hasn't been greenlit yet. But it, I'm still, I'm still afraid. Like. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, scary movies. Like, I, I was never really a fan. But I've like, never the, the point of, of like scary movie as as itself, like the first one was mainly a rip off of Scream. Yeah. Exactly, which makes no yeah. sense yeah. anyway, because Scream itself is a parody. You know yes, what I mean? exactly. Which yeah, did yeah. it better? Like, um, the people Scream. who make that film are pretty stupid. Like, I don't yeah. know. They were like, oh, Wes Craven's takes himself too seriously. It's like, what? What? Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, Scooby Doo, we love it. <laughs> That's. All we have time for on this episode of Where's the Damn Sequel. Yeah. Get in touch um, on our social media pages and let us know your ideas for a Scooby-Doo sequel. Rob, what's your Twitter? Uh, Moon Theaters. I um, I post Justin Bieber covers and uh, I talk about a lot of family films. They're great. It's all great. And Rob will be joining us on a future episode too, which we are about to record. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back soon. Goodbye.